Welcome to 3 per Fighter Radio. I am your host, The Nobody, and I am here to inform you of various truths that you may or may not know. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7. Today is, I believe, a very special episode because I am about to read you the Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion, but the very original copy. This copy, the Protocols of Zion, were referred to in the late 1700s, and the first copy available to public scrutiny surfaced in the early 1800s, and every aspect of this plan to subjugate the world has since become reality, validating the authenticity of conspiracy. We see what is going on in this world. There is no more denying that there is an all-out war that has been waged against the people of the world. There is no denying this. People wake up. God is coming back soon. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our minds. And we need to prepare physically for what is about to happen in this country. All around the world. But I'm talking about America. We are the most spiritually dead country. God is not happy with us. And he is coming back very, very soon. Okay, what I'm about to read you is the original copy from Behold a Pale Horse by Milton, uh, by William Milton Cooper, a.k.a. Bill Cooper. And this first edition is very, very rare. I mean, I've gone online trying to search for, for the one that I have, and I've only seen two or three for sale. And uh, one of them was about $900. The other was 400 And the other one was like six something. So this uh, copy of Behold a Pale Horse, I have the very first edition, 1991 publication. Very rare, very, very rare. I believe there's only about 200 and something or 300 out there uh, in circulation right now. And obviously people, only three for sale because people don't want to get rid of this uh, knowledge, these top secret files that Bill Cooper furnished. This is why, this is one of the main reasons I believe that they killed Bill Cooper. The government made up some false arrest warrant. They went to his house and he uh, proceeded to get into a shootout and they tried to, you know, make him a criminal and paint this horrible picture uh, through the media, which was a complete lie. Um, Bill Clinton in, I believe it was 1993, called Bill Cooper the most dangerous talk show radio host in the world because of the knowledge that he had. He spent nearly 18 years just completely exposing the evils in this government and and showing their real colors. And he believed that it was uh, God who sent him to the people to show them the truth, to open their eyes. And I, I completely believe it. God uses strong men like Bill Cooper to uh, wake everyone up. So I want to, in this episode, continue Bill's legacy continue to give people and feed people this knowledge that he exposed and that was exposed um, in the early 1800s, this uh, document that that arose. It is very disturbing when you hear what I'm about to read, the way that they they talk about us. They, they call us uh, goyim, which you could also say that's cattle. They refer to us as cattle. And the way it's written is really to deceive people. In fact, Bill Cooper, he wrote a note and he said this, this is an exact reprint of the original text. This has been written intentionally to deceive people. For clear understanding, 
the word Zion should be Sion. Any reference to Jews should be replaced with the word Illuminati, and the word Goyim should be replaced with the word cattle. Yes, folks, that is exactly how they think of you and I as cattle. And they are leading us to the slaughter. They do not care about us. This is, they control the medical industry, and we see what they do in there. It's $252 billion a year industry. In fact, they killed that woman, um, Brandy Vaughn, after she exposed the, the big pharmaceutical companies. She was shortly after dead. Interesting enough. She exposed some pretty big things on the pharmaceutical industries. Uh, facts like 90% of conventional medicine is unapproved and untested. The big pharma only spends about 12 or 13% of their money on testing, you know, the 10% of, of conventional medicines. It is because they think of us as cattle. It's just we are a number to them. They are killing us off by the millions. The medical industry is complete tyranny. It's completely evil. They are destroying people's lives and they know it. They are giving you medicines that they know don't work, that cause more problems. So then you go in to get another medicine and it's a never-ending cycle. Once you're sick, you're going to continue to stay sick and keep going back to the hospitals. Um, but they're never, their goal is not to cure you, right? Maybe a few people here and there might get cured, but I think that's God's grace. Natural herbal supplements is what the stuff that God gave us is what we should be taking. But again, because we are considered cattle to them, they're going to treat us so. They're going to treat us horribly. At the same time, they are going to trick us into believing that they are for your good, that they are for the people, even though they are causing 90% of the problems on this earth. They are the ones funding the wars, the Rothschild family, the Rockefellers, they fund these wars and then they play both sides. Anyways, it is truly amazing though that I, I always say that most Americans have never had a real thought that is their own. Everything that they think, I mean, since childhood, has they've been dictated and manipulated into and their thoughts become um, whatever they've seen over the years in movies, cart starts in cartoons, music, Hollywood, all that, that it, it completely controls and is rotting their uh, mind. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Ever since we were little kids. So we have to break free from that bubble and that, that lie that we've been told. Break free. Free your mind. I suggest meditating, praying heavily for God to give you the wisdom and discernment and to renew your mind. And it even the Bible tells us what to do. It says, do not conform to the ways of the world, but be tran transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12 too. That's amazing. Do not conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect will is for your life. So it's Jesus gave us the answer. We need to stop the. We need to stop conforming to what the world is doing. The social media, the um, watching all this junk on TV that that literally just puts thoughts into our head. And a lot of it. I mean, as we know, Hollywood. That's a lot of people in Hollywood are Satan worshippers. This this media was meant for brainwashing. It is that's why it was called a television programming. It's to program your mind to keep you distracted enough so you're not going to focus on the actual things in this life that matter. 
That's what the TV is doing. That's what this horrible music is doing that talks about drugs, uh, sex, and money, and that's all about making money and getting the girl. That's so, that's so not what life is about, and they have you fooled. So we need, as a, as a people, to get it together, wake up, do some real research, go down the rabbit hole, and, and find the truth. Because we are going to regret it. We're already regretting it. But we are going to be in for a rude, rude awakening. Alright, anyways, I'm going to, about to read you the... Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion, and it is very long, so I'm not going to read all of it in this one episode, um, but I'll try to get through it, but there's many protocols, um, and if I if I don't finish it this episode, then I will continue it on the very next episode. So sit back, maybe take notes if you can, and open your ears to what is about to be read because you need to know this and so you can pass this tremendous wisdom on to other people to your kids to your wife or vice versa um, to your family to the people that you love to the people in your church we need to pass this along people and do not be afraid of the consequences of doing so if you believe in God mighty Yahweh King Yeshua you will be just fine okay so here we go so this is the protocols of the meeting of the learned elders of zion protocol number one putting aside fine phrases we shall speak of the significance of each thought by comparisons and deductions we shall throw light upon surrounding facts what i am about to set forth then is our system from the two points of view that of ourselves, and that of the goyim, the cattle. Non, um, so, again, when I say goyim, it's cattle, okay? And when I say Zion, we're supposed to take it as Sion, okay? So what I'm about to set forth, then, is our system from the two points of view, that of ourselves and that of the goyim. It must be noted that men with bad instincts are more in number than the good, and therefore the best results in governing them are attained by violence and terrorization, and not by academic discussions. Every man aims at power. Everyone would like to become a dictator if only he could, and rare indeed are the men who would not be willing to sacrifice the welfare of all for the sake of securing their own welfare. What has restrained the beasts of prey who are called men? What has served for their guidance hither? In the beginning of the structure of society, they were subjected to brutal and blind forces. Afterwards, to law, which is the same force, only disguised. I draw the conclusion that by the law of nature, right lies in force. Political freedom is an idea, but not a fact. This idea one must know how to apply whenever it appears necessary with this bait of an idea to attract the masses of the people to one's party for the purpose of crushing another who is in authority. This task is rendered easier if the opponent has himself been infected with the idea of freedom, so-called liberalism, and for the sake of an idea is willing to yield some of his power. 
It is precisely here that the triumph of our theory appears. The slackened reins of government are immediately, by the law of life, caught up and gathered together by a new hand, because the blind might of the nation cannot for one single day exist without guidance, and the new authority merely fits into the place of the old already weakened by liberalism. In our day, the power which has replaced that of the rulers who were liberal is the power of gold. Time was with Time was when faith ruled. The idea of freedom is impossible, of realization, because no one knows how to use it with moderation. It is enough to hand over a people to self-government for a certain length of time, for that people to be turned into a disorganized mob. From the moment on, we get intern, internecine strife which soon develops into battles between classes, in the midst of which states burn down and their importance is reduced to that of a heap of ashes. Whether a state exhausts itself in its own convulsions, whether its internal discord brings it under the power of external foes, in any case, it can be accounted irretrievably lost. It is in our power. The despotism of capital, which is entirely in our hands, reaches out to a straw that the state, willy-nilly, must take hold of. If not, it goes to the bottom. Should anyone of a liberal mind say that such reflections as the above are immoral, I would put the following questions. If every state has two foes, and if in regard to the external foe it is allowed, and not considered immoral to use every manner and art of conflict, as for example, to keep the enemy in ignorance of plans of attack and defense, to attack him by night or in superior numbers. Then, in what way can the same means in regard to a worse foe, the destroyer of the structure of society and the common well, be called immoral and not permissible? Is it possible for any sound, logical mind to hope with any success to guide crowds by the aid of reasonable counsels and arguments, when any objection or contradiction, senseless though it may be, can be made, and when such objection may find more favor with the people whose powers of reasoning are superficial? Men in masses, and the mayor of the masses, and the mayor of the masses, being guided solely by petty passions, paltry beliefs, customs, traditions, and sentimental theorism, fall a prey to a party dissension which hinders any kind of agreement even on the basis even on the basis of perfectly reasonable argument every resolution of a crowd depends upon a chance or packed majority which in its ignorance of political secrets puts forth some ridiculous resolution that lays in the administration a seed of anarchy the political has nothing in common with the moral. The ruler who is governed by the moral is not a skilled politician. That right there, um, that is so true. The ruler who is governed by the moral is not a skilled politician. What does that tell you about the good politicians? They are liars. They have no morals. They do not care. They only care about one thing, and that is getting to the top. And is there for unstable on his throne? He who wishes to rule must have recourse both to cunning and to make believe, 
Great national qualities like frankness and honesty are vices in politics, for they bring down rulers from their thrones more effectively and more certainly than most of the powerful enemy, than the most powerful enemy. Such qualities must be the attributes of the kingdoms of the Goyim, cattle, but we must in no wise be guided by them. Our right lies in force. The word right is an abstract thought and proved by nothing. The word means to means no more than give me what I want in order that thereby I might have a proof that I am stronger than you. We've never had any rights. That is just an illusion. Absolutely. Where does right begin? Where does it end? In any state in which there is a bad organization of authority, in impersonality of laws, and of the rulers who have lost their personality amid the flood of rights ever multiplying out of liberalism, I find a new right, to attack by the night the right of the strong, and to scatter to the winds all existing forces of order and regulation, to reconstruct all institutions, and to become the sovereign lord of those who have left us to the rights of their power by laying them down voluntarily in their liberalism. Let's pause right there, folks. Look what is going on right now. Their plan has completely and is coming true. People, especially the liberals, right? They are laying down their freedoms, just laying them down. And they're hoping that that they're going to get more comforts. As, as long as I'm comfortable, I'll give up anything. We see what is going on today. They are giving the elites the power, willingly just giving away their freedom. They will definitely be the first to go to the slaughter. Okay, back to the reading. Our power in the present tottering condition of all forms of power will be more invincible than any other, because it will remain invincible until because it will remain invisible until the moment when it has gained such strength that no cunning can any longer undermine it. See what they're saying, folks? Right there, I'm sure some of you get that. Their plan has been invisible this entire time, and now what we're seeing in this country is it coming to fruition. It's coming true. Their plan is now coming out to the open, so we know that we are very close to the to the end of this uh, to the end of the elitist plan. Out of the temporary evil, we are now compelled to commit will emerge the good of an unshakable rule which will restore the regular course of the machinery of the national life, brought to naught by liberalism. The result justifies the means. Let us, however, in our plans, direct our attention not so much to what is good and moral as to what is necessary and useful. Before us in, is a plan in which is laid down strategically the line from which we cannot deviate without running the risk of seeing the labor of many centuries brought to naught. In order to elaborate satisfactory forms of action, it is necessary to have regard to the rascality, the slackness, the instability of the mob, its lack of capacity to understand and respect the conditions of its own life or its own welfare. It must be understood that the might of a mob is blind. They're talking about us senseless and unreasoning force ever at the mercy of a suggestion from any side. 
The blind cannot lead the blind without bringing them into the abyss. Consequently, members of the mob upstarts from the people, even though they should be as a genius for wisdom, yet having no understanding of the political, cannot come forward as leaders of the mob without bringing the whole nation to ruin. Only one trained from childhood for independent rule can have understanding of the words that can be made up of the political alphabet. So these people, and I've a lot of us we know, they raise, they have, they actually, the government has these, um, takes children and they raise them or they have also farms where they, they do the in, inbreeding, right? The incest and all this and they, they keep their bloodline in power. A lot of these um, very high up people have been raised specifically and bred for the purpose of ruling in that position, whether it's a politician, um, judges, presidents, okay? They, I mean, these people are sick. Anyways, a people left to itself, to upstarts from its midst, brings itself to ruin by party dissensions excited by the pursuit of power and honors and disorders arising therefrom. It is possible for the masses of the people calmly and without petty jealousies to form judgments to deal with the affairs of the country, which cannot be mixed up with personal interests. Can they defend themselves from an external foe? It is unthinkable for a plan broken up into as many parts as there are heads in the mob, losses all loses all homogeneity, and thereby becomes unintelligible and impossible of execution. It is only with the despotic ruler that plans can be elaborated extensively and clearly in such a way as to distribute the whole properly among the several parts of the machinery of the state. From this, the conclusion is inevitable that a satisfactory form of government for any country is one that concentrates in the hands of one responsible person. Without an absolute despotism, there can be no existence for civilization which is carried on not by the masses, but by their guide, whosoever that person may be. The mob is a savage and displays its savagery at every opportunity. The moment the mob seizes freedom in its hands, it quickly turns to anarchy, which in itself is the highest degree of savagery. Behold the alcoholized the alcoholized animals. So, right, what it's this is I love this part, what it's about to say. Look at all the drugs and alcohol in America, right? So many people are partying, going, you know, going out to eat and drinking, getting wasted. And if you notice in every ghetto in America, there's a liquor store on almost every corner. They are everywhere. They, the elites, the true elites, they are a dry society. They do not drink. They do not participate in drugs. They keep a clear mind, just like the Bible tells us to do. Be of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Wake up, people. Get sober. Stay sober. Behold the alcoholized animals, bemused with drink, the right to an immoderate use of which comes along with freedom. It is not for us and ours to walk that road. The peoples of the Goyim, cattle, are bemused with alcoholic liquors. Their youth has grown stupid on classism and from early immorality into which it has been inducted by our special agents, by tutors, lackeys, governesses in the house 
in the houses of the wealthy, by clerks and others, by our women in the places of disposition, frequented by the cattle. In the number of these last I count also the so-called society ladies, voluntary followers of the others in corruption and luxury. Our countersign is force and make-believe. Only force conquers in political affairs, especially if it be concealed in the talents essential to statesmen. Violence must be the principle, and cunning, and make-believe the rule for governments which do not want to lay down their crowns at the feet of agents of some new power. This evil is the one and only means to attain the end, the good. Therefore we must not stop at a bribery, deceit, and treachery when they should serve towards the attainment of our end. In politics one must know how to seize the property of others without hesitation if by it we were secure submission if by it we would secure submission and sovereignty sovereignty sorry our state marching along the path of peaceful conquest has the right to replace the horrors of war by less noticeable and more satisfactory sentences of death necessary to maintain the terror which tends to produce blind submission just but just but merciless severity is the greatest factor of strength in the state, not only for the sake of gain, but also in the name of duty, for the sake of victory. We must keep to the program of violence and make-believe. The doctrine of squaring accounts is precisely as strong as the means of which it makes use. Therefore, it is not so much by the means themselves as by the doctrine of severity that we shall triumph and bring all governments into subjection to our super-government. It is enough for them to know that we are merciless for all disobedience to cease. Far back in ancient times, we were the first to cry among the masses of the people the words liberty, equality, fraternity. Words many times repeated since those days by stupid pole parrots who from all sides round flew down upon these baits and with them carried away the well-being of the world true freedom of the individual formerly so well guarded against the pressure of the mob the would-be wise men of the goyim cattle the intellectuals could not make anything out of the uttered words in their abstractness did not note the contradiction of their meaning and inner relation did not see that in nature there is no equality cannot be freedom, that nature herself has established inequality of minds, of characters, and capacities, just as immutability, as she has established subordination to her laws, never stopped to think that the mob is a blind thing, that upstarts elected from among it to bear rule, are, in regard to the political, the same blind men as the mob itself that the adept, through though he be a fool, can yet rule, whereas the non-adept, even if he were a genius, understands nothing in the political. To all these things the cattle paid no regard, yet all the time it was ba based upon these things that dynastic rule rested. The father passed on to the son a knowledge of the course of political affairs in such wise that none should know it but members of the dynasty, and none could betray it to the governed. As time went on, 
the meaning of the dynastic transference of the true position of affairs in the political was lost, and this aided the success of our cause. In all corners of the earth, the words liberty, equality, fraternity, brought to our ranks, thanks to our blind agents, whole legions who bore out banners with enthusiasm, who bore our banners with enthusiasm. And all the time, these words were canker worms at work, boring into the well-being of the cattle, putting an end everywhere to peace, quiet, solidarity, and destroying all the foundations of the Goy states. As you will see later, this helped us to our triumph. It gave us the possibility, among other things, of getting into our hands the MasterCard, the destruction of the privileges, or in other words, of the very existence of the aristocracy of the Goyim, that class which was the only defense peoples and countries had against us. On the ruins of the natural and genealogical aristocracy of the Goyim, we have set up the aristocracy of our educated class headed by the aristocracy of money. The qualifications for this aristocracy we have established in wealth, which is dependent upon us and in knowledge for which our learned elders provide the motive force. Our triumph has been rendered easier by the fact that in our relations with the men whom we wanted, we have always worked upon the most sensitive chords of the human mind. Upon the cash account, upon the cupidity, upon the instability for material needs of man, and each one of these human weaknesses, taken alone, is sufficient to paralyze initiative, for it hands over the will of men to the disposition of him who has bought their activities. The abstraction of freedom has enabled us to persuade the mob in all countries that their government is nothing but the steward of the people who are the owners of the country, and that the steward may be replaced like a worn-out glove. It is this possibility of replacing the representatives of the people which has placed them at our disposal, and as it were, given us the power of appointment. So that was Protocol 1. Now we're moving on to Protocol 2. It is indispensable for our purpose that wars, so far as possible, should not result in territorial gains. War will thus be brought on to the economic ground where the nations will not fail to perceive in the assistance we give the strength of our predominance, and this state of things will put both sides at the mercy of our international uh, agenture, which possesses millions of eyes ever on the watch and unhampered by any limitations whatsoever. Our international right will then wipe our national rights in the proper sense of right, and will rule the nations precisely as the civil law of states rules the relations of their subjects among themselves. So as we see, folks, they play both sides of every war. And how do they do this? With money. They buy people. The administrators whom we shall choose from among the public with strict regard to their capacities for severe, servile obedience will not be persons trained in the arts of government, and will therefore easily become pawns in our game, in the hands of men of learning and genius, who will be their ad advisors, specialists bred and reared from early childhood, 
to rule the affairs of the whole world. Listen to that. Specialists bred and reared from early childhood to rule the affairs of the whole world. They breed these children for one purpose. As is well known to you, these specialists of ours have been drawing to fit them for rule the information they need from our political plans, from the lessons of history, from observations made of the events of every moment as it passes. The goyim, cattle, are not guided by practical use of unprejudiced historical observations, but by theoretical routine without any critical regard for consequent results. And as we know, a lot of the history that is that we are taught in school is fake. We need not, therefore, take any account of them. Let them amuse themselves until the hour strikes, or live on hopes of new forms of enterprising pastime, or on the memories of all they have enjoyed. For them, let that play the principal part which we have persuaded them to accept as the dictates of science, theory, or theory. It is with this object in view that we are constantly, by means of our press, arousing a blind confidence in these theories. The intellectuals of the cattle will puff themselves up with their knowledge and, without any logical verification of it, will put into effect all the information available from science which our agenteur specialists have cunningly pieced together for the purpose of educating their minds in the direction we want. Let's hold it up there, folks. I have, Every person I come in contact, I try to tell them and let them know that our history is fake. What Everything that we learn in school is useless. It is such a waste of our time. And they take our kids from an early age and they put them in these indoctrinational camps, state-ran government camps camps. They want your kids away from the home so you can't teach them truth, so you can't show them how to do their own research. The Rockefellers created most of the, I believe it was the Rockefellers and I know the Rothschilds created most of the uh, the curriculum that you see in colleges, in school. So you're going to school, you're going to college and you think you're so smart, you think you're learning truth. You're not learning truth. You're wasting your time going to college. You're wasting your time in school. You could have stayed home and if your parents knew any better, could have learned the truth. They could have taught you things that are actually going to help you in this life. We are in a dangerous place, folks. Unless we open our eyes and we go seek the truth and accept the truth, we're doomed absolutely doomed. And again, the truth will set you free. Now it says, do not suppose for a moment that these statements are empty words. Think carefully of the success we arranged for Darwinism, Marxism, Nietzschezm, uh, whatever the hell that is. To us Jews, at any rate, now when they say Jews, you need to, it's uh, Illuminati. So when every time it says Jews, think of Illuminati. So to us Illuminati, the illuminated ones, at any rate, it should be plain to see what a disintegrating importance these directives have had upon the minds of the cattle. It is indispensable for us to take account of the thoughts, characters, tendencies of the nations in order to avoid making slips in the political and in the direction of administrative affairs. 
the triumph of our system, of which the component parts of the machinery may be variously disposed according to the temperament of the peoples met on our way, will fail of success if the practical application of it be not based upon a, a summing up of the lessons of the past in the light of the present. In the hands of the states of today, there is a great force that creates the movement of thought in the people, and that is the press. The part played by the press is to keep pointing out requirements supposed to be indispensable, to give voice to the complaints of the people, to express and to create discontent. See that? So, another thing, like I've said before about media, all right, it's to cause dissension. The media is to, cut, to divide people, to cause division between people that, that never would have been there in the first place. It says the part played by the press is to the media is to keep pointing out requirements supposed to be indispensable, to give voice to the complaints of the people, to express and to create discontent. It is in the press that the triumph of freedom of speech finds its incarnation. But the cattle states have not known how to make use of this force, and it has fallen into our hands. Through the press we have gained the power to influence while remaining ourselves in the shade. Thanks to the press we have got the gold in our hands, notwithstanding that we have had to gather it out of oceans of blood and tears. But it is paid, but it has paid us. Though we have sacrificed many of our people, each victim on our side is worth in the sight of God a thousand cattle. Wow, each victim on our side is worth in the sight of God a thousand cattle. So, now let me tell you something. When they say God, they're not talking about Yahweh. They are talking about Satan. So you can take it as this. Each victim on our side is worth in the sight of Satan a thousand goyim. So, it's not our God that we serve. Today I may tell you that our goal is now only a few steps off. There remains a small space to cross, and the whole long path we have trotted is ready now to close its cycle of the symbolic snake by which we symbolize our people. You see that? When this ring closes, all the states of Europe will be locked in its coil, as in a powerful vice. The constitution scales of these days will shortly break down, for we have established them with a certain lack of accurate balance. Just amazing what these, uh, what they have accomplished. It does blow my mind. And now, so it goes on to say, accurate balance in order that they may oscillate incessantly until they wear through the pivot on which they turn. The cattle are under the impression that they have welded them sufficiently strong and they have all kept in expecting that the scales would come into equilibrium. But the pivots, the kings on their thrones, are hemmed in by their representatives who play the fool, distraught with their own uncontrolled and irresponsible power. This power they owe to the terror which has been breathed into the palaces, as they have no means of getting at their people into their very midst. The kings on their thrones are no longer able to come to terms with them and so strengthen themselves against seekers after power. We have made a gulf between the far-seeing sovereign power and the blind force of the people, so that both have lost all meaning. For like the blind man and his stick, both are powerless apart. In order to incite seekers after power, 
to a misuse of power, we have set all forces in opposition one to another, breaking up their liberal tendencies towards independence. To this end, we have stirred up very every form of enterprise. We have armed all parties. We have set up authority as a target for every ambition. Of states, we have made gladiatorial arenas, where a host of confused issues contend. A little more, and disorders and bankruptcy will be universal. That is exactly what we are seeing today. They play both sides, by the way. They are in the Democratic parties. They are in the Republican parties. They are everywhere. Babblers inexhaustible have turned into oriotical contests, the sittings of parliament and administrative boards. Bold journalists and unscrupulous uh, pamphleteers daily fall upon executive officials. Abuses of power will put the final touch in preparing all institutions for their overthrow, and everything will fly skyward under the blows of the maddened mob. Again, what are we seeing now? We are going to, they are literally causing us to create a civil war. This is what they want, people. They want a civil war, and you are exactly giving them what they want. We cannot act like animals any longer. We need to control ourselves. We need to take the time and focus and understand. If you understand what they are doing, you can beat this thing. Don't give them what they want. They want a civil war. All people are chained down to heavy toil by poverty more firmly than ever they were chained by slavery. And uh, this word is kind of like blurred out. From these, one way and another, they might free themselves. These could be settled with, but from want, they will never get away. We have included in the Constitution such rights as to the masses appear fictitious and not actual rights. All these so-called people's rights can exist only in an idea, an idea which can never be realized in practical life. What is it to the proletariat laborer, let's see, proletariat laborer, bowed, doubled over his heavy toil, crushed by his lot in life, if talkers get the right to babble, if journalists get the right to scribble any nonsense side by side with good stuff, once the uh, proletariat has no other profit out of the Constitution save only those pitiful crumbs which we fling them from our table and return for their voting in favor of what we dictate, in favor of the men we place in power, the servants of our agenteer. Republican rights for a poor man are no more than a bitter piece of irony, for the necessity he is under of toiling almost all day gives him no present use of them but on the other hand robs him of all the guarantee of regular and certain earnings by making him dependent on strikes by his comrades or lockouts by his masters. So what what you're hearing now, uh, folks, is, again, they play both sides. They are Democratic. They are Republican. There's no... You have bought in to the lie. If you're a Democrat, you've bought into the lie. If you're a Republican, you've bought in to the lie it doesn't matter what side you're on because you think that that your side is winning or you think you're on the good side well i'll tell you what they have fooled you they are both sides and you're giving them exactly what you want you think you have rights but you've never had any rights 
Look at the fight for these rights that we so-called have today are destroying this country. It is again going to cause a civil war. And everyone on that Trump train, I tell you, I never, I saw right through Trump. I never liked Trump. I don't like any of them because I know and I've been exposed to so many documents that are written by these people, by these elites. There's no way after the things that I've read and the things that I've seen, I could ever be on any of those sides that I could ever vote. I do not vote. I never have voted. Not a day in my life because it is all so pointless. You think that your vote counts, but it never has counted. These people have controlled you. Your vote does not count. And everyone on this Trump train is all they're doing is getting people. They are playing you. They're getting you to, 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 they're realizing they're, the whole point of this whole Trump, whatever, this whole MAGA thing is so they can pick you apart one by one. So they know that, oh, now these people are completely against our agenda. But what they're doing more than that is they're dividing you. Everyone's so obsessed. They are idolizing Trump and thinking Trump is going to save this nation and make America great again. No, the only one who can make America great again is God Almighty, mighty Yeshua, King Jesus, Yahweh. He is the only one who can make America great again. You are putting so much faith in a man and a corrupt man at that, a man that has been raised by these people. That has been bred by these people for this point in history. And you have bought the lie thinking this man is going to make America great and save your life and save your country. What a foolish idea. Do not let yourself go so far and be so obsessed with the idea of a man, one man, saving an entire country. That sounds ridiculous when you think about it. When you stop and take off your MAGA shirt and your MAGA hat, and you start to think about what I'm saying and realize that you have been duped, you have been fooled, you're going to start, wake up. It is so ridiculous, and it sounds insane. You know, you're wearing these MAGA hats, these MAGA shirts, make, make America great again, Trump, but you're not even opening your Bible. You're not saying your prayers. You you really think that a man is going to save you? I'm sorry, but this man is part of their plan, and he is not going to save anyone. The people under our guidance have annihilated the aristocracy, who were their one and only defense and foster mother for the sake of their own advantage, which is inseparably bound up with the well-being of the people. Nowadays, with the destruction of the aristocracy, the people have fallen into the grips of merciless, money-grinding scoundrels who have laid a pitless and cruel yoke upon the necks of the workers. We appear on the scene as alleged saviors of the worker from this oppression when we propose to him to enter the ranks of our fighting forces, socialists, uh, anarchists, communists, to whom we always give support in accordance with an alleged brotherly rule of the solidarity of all humanity, of our social masonry. The aristocracy 
which enjoyed by law the labor of the workers, was interested in seeing that the workers were well-fed, healthy, and strong. We are interested in just the opposite, in the diminution, the killing out of the cattle. Our power is in the chronic shortness of food and physical weakness of the workers, because by all that this implies, he is made the slave of our will, and he will not find in his own authorities either strength or energy to set against our will. Hunger creates the right of capital to rule the worker more surely than it was given to the aristocracy by the legal authority of kings. By want and the envy and hatred which it engenders, we'll shall we shall move the mobs and their hands. We shall wipe out all those who hinder us in our way. They want to kill everybody. Population control, they've been doing this. Wake up, people. And when the hour strikes for our sovereign Lord of all the world to be crowned, it is these same hands which will sweep away everything that might be a hindrance thereof. So when they're saying, they are saying, when the hour strikes for our sovereign Lord, Satan. Remember that. This is why they sacrifice children every year. They allow the sex trafficking to go on. They allow that to continue. They, the, this government is also the biggest drug dealer in the world. Okay. The cattle have lost the habit of thinking unless prompted by the suggestion of our specialists. Therefore, they do not see the urgent necessity of what we, when our kingdom comes, shall adopt at once. Namely this, that it is essential to teach in national schools one simple true piece of knowledge, the basis of all knowledge, the knowledge of the structure of human life, of social existence, which requires divisions of labor and consequently the division of men into classes and conditions. It is essential for all to know that owing to difference in the objects of human activity, there cannot be any equality, that he who by any act of his compromises a whole class cannot be equally responsible before the law with him who affects no one but only his own honor. The true knowledge of the structure of society, into the secrets of which we do not admit the cattle, would demonstrate to all men that the positions and work must be kept within a certain circle, that they may not become a source of human suffering, arising from an education which does not correspond with the work which individuals are called upon to do. After a thorough study of this knowledge, the peoples will voluntarily submit to authority and accept such positions as is appointed them in the state. In the present state of knowledge and the direction we have given to its development, the people, blindly believing things in print, cherishes, thanks to promptings intended to mislead into its own ignorance, a blind hatred towards all conditions which it considers above itself for it has no understanding of the meaning of class and condition. This hatred will, will be still further magnified by the effects of an economic crisis, which will stop dealings on the exchanges and bring in industry to a standstill. We shall create by all the secret subterranean methods open to us, and with the aid of gold, which is all in our hands, a universal economic crisis whereby we shall throw upon the streets whole mobs of workers simultaneously simultaneously in all the countries of Europe. These mobs will rush delightedly to shed the blood of those whom in the simplicity of their ignorance 
they have envied from their cradles, and whose property they will then be able to loot. Ours they will not touch, because the moment of attack will be known to us, and we shall take measures to protect our own. We have demonstrated that progress will bring all the cattle to the sovereignty of reason. Our despotism will be precisely that, for it will know how, by wise severities, to pacificate all unrest, to cauterize liberalism out of all institutions. When the populace has seen that all sorts of concessions and indulgences are yielded, it are yielded it in the name of freedom, it has imagined, it, imagined itself to be sovereign lord and has stormed its way to power. But naturally, like every other blind man, it has come upon a host of stumbling blocks. It has rushed to find a guide. It has never had the sense to return to the former state, and it has laid down its plenipotentiary powers at our feet. Remember, the French Revolution, to which it was we who gave the name of Great, the secrets of its preparations are well known to us, for it was wholly the work of our hands. That is amazing right there, folks. It gets me every time. Remember the French Revolution. It was them who created it. It's amazing. And I'll tell you something else. It was the Illuminati in 1776 that took power in America. Ever since that time we have been leading the peoples from one disenchantment to another, so that in the end they should turn also from us in favor of that king despot of the blood of Zion, whom we are preparing for the world. At the present day we are, as an international force, invincible, because if attacked by some we are supported by other states. It is the bottomless rascality of the goyim, the cattle, the cattle peoples, who crawl on their bellies to force, but are merciless towards weakness, unsparing to faults and indulgent to crimes, unwilling to bear the contradictions of a free social system, but patient unto matridom, under the violence of a bold despotism. It is those qualities which are aiding us to independence. From the premier dictators of the present day, the cattle people suffer patiently and bear such abuses as for the least of them, they would have beheaded 20 kings. Wow. What is the explanation of this phenomenon? These curious inconsequence of the masses of the peoples in their attitude towards what would appear to be events of the same order? It is explained by the fact that these dictators whisper to the peoples through their agents that through these abuses they are inflicting injury on the states with the highest purpose, to secure the welfare of the peoples the international brotherhood of them all, their solidarity and equality of rights. Naturally, they do not tell the peoples that this unification must be accomplished only under our sovereign rule, and thus the people condemn the upright and acquit the guilty, persuaded even more and more that it can do whatsoever it wishes. Thanks to this state of things, the people are destroying every kind of stability and creating disorders at every step. The word freedom brings out the communities of men to fight against every kind of force, against every kind of authority, even against God and the laws of nature. For this reason, we, when we come into our kingdom, shall have to erase this word from the 
lexion of life as implying a principle of brute force which turns mobs into bloodthirsty beasts. These beasts, it is true, fall asleep again every time when they have drunk their fill of blood, and at such times can easily be riveted into their chains. But if they be not given blood, they will not sleep and continue to struggle. Protocol number four. And again, we see, okay, there's a lot of unbelievers in this world, and more and more they are completely removing God from our entire country. The thing is, God is very real. I don't care how you cannot read this and not believe in God. These people believe in God. They know Yahweh is king. They know he is He is absolutely real. But they serve Satan. This is why they are doing this. Because, And this is why the mark of the beast will come. And it is going to be the mark of a man. 666. The mark of the beast is on its way here, folks. We don't know when, but I know, we do know that it is near. And these people, these demons, are bringing about this new world order. They are bringing about the Antichrist. I believe the Antichrist is already here. He just hasn't made his appearance yet. So we will see. But believe and pray to God for protection. Protocol number four. Every republic passes through several stages. The first of these is compromised in the early days of a mad raging by the blind mob, tossed hither and thither, right and left. The second is demagogy, from which is born anarchy, and that leads inevitably to despotism, not any longer legal and convert, uh, overt, and therefore responsible despotism, but to unseen and secretly hidden yet nevertheless sensibly felt despotism in the hands of some secret organizations or other, whose acts are the more unscrupulous in, some, in as much as it works behind a scene, in as much as it works behind a screen, I'm sorry, being the backs of all sorts of agents, the changing of whom not only does injuriously affect, but actually aids the secret force by saving it. Thanks to continual changes from the necessity of expending its resources on the rewarding of long services. Who and what is in a position to overthrow an invisible force? And this is precisely what our force is. Gentile masonry blindly serves as a screen for us and our objects. But the plan of action of our force, even its very abiding place, remains for the whole people an unknown mystery. But even freedom might be harmless and have its place in the state economy without injury to the well-being of the peoples if it is rested upon the foundation of faith in God, upon the brotherhood of humanity, unconnected with the conception of equality, which is neg uh, negatived by the very laws of creation. For they have established subordination, which such with such a faith as this a people might be governed by a wardship of part parishes, and would walk contentedly and humbly under the guiding hand of its spiritual pastor, submitting to the dispositions of God upon earth. This is the reason why it is indispensable for us to undermine all faith, 
to tear out of the minds of the goyim the very principle of Godhead and the Spirit, and to put in its place arithmetical, arithmetical calculations and material needs. Wow, that is amazing. And that is exactly what we see here. People put materialism above God. They don't take the Bible seriously. They want nothing of it. In fact, it is the Illuminati who took out the apocryphal books. There's like 50, I have them all. I believe there's 54 apocryphal books um, that were part of the Bible up until they were completely removed in 1853. That's only a couple hundred years ago. It was Jesus himself studied the apocryphal books. That was part of the Bible as he knew it. Those are secret, hidden scriptures. They were part of the Bible. And it's another close to 5,000 pages missing from the Bible. And the church today will completely deny and say, oh, that's of Satan, when they have no idea. They've gone to Google. Google says it's not canonical. They say it's not part of the Bible, and they don't go any further. They don't do their research, and they, they really don't know anything. And it's sad to see the church completely just dismiss the rest of the Bible. They think that what they have is the full version of the Bible, but no, there's another nearly 5,000 more pages to that precious book. Read the apocryphal books. If you've already read the Bible, the Bible that we're used to having, that's not all of it. That is part of it, yes. That is God's words. But there's another 5,000, close to 5,000 pages more of God's words. And when you start to read the apocryphal books, you will absolutely it will put everything in place for you. The parts of the Bible that you just don't understand, that doesn't make any sense, especially in the Old Testament. Well, when you read the apocryphal books, like the Apocalypse of Moses, the Apocalypse of Abraham, the Book of Enoch, it completely puts everything into place and it makes so much sense. It's amazing. It, it, it really will open your eyes and then you will start to understand. And this is why they, they remove those, those, those texts. They remove them for a reason because when you read them, you will realize why the elites removed the apocryphal books because it shows so much about what is going on today, about what they're doing and how they got to the place that they did. They are demons. Literally, the, those elites are demons. This is not a joke. You need to read the book of Enoch and you will see uh, that these people are the bloodline of the Nephilim. In order to give the cattle no time to think and take note, there must be uh, their their minds must be diverted towards unjust industry. Sorry, I'm now I'm uh, slurring my words a little bit. <laughs> their minds must be diverted towards industry and trade. Thus, all the nations will be swallowed up in the pursuit of gain, and in the race for it will not take note of their common foe. But again, in order that freedom may once for all disintegrate and ruin the communities of the cattle, we must put industry on a speculative basis. The result of this will be that what is withdrawn from the land by industry will slip through the hands and pass into speculation, that is, to our classes. The intensified struggle for superiority and shocks delivered to economic life will create, nay, have already created, disenchanted, cold and heartless communities. Such communities will foster a strong aversion towards the higher political and towards religion. Their only guide is gain. 
that is gold, which they will erect into a ver um, veritable cult for the sake of those material delights which it can give. Then will the hour strike, when not for the sake of attaining the good, not even to win wealth, but solely out of the hatred towards the privileged, the lower classes of the cattle will follow our lead against our rivals for power, the intellectuals of the goyim. Wow. This is protocol number five. What form of administrative rule can be given to communities in which corruption has penetrated everywhere? Communities where riches are attained only by the clever surprise tactics of semi-swindling tricks, semi-swindling tricks, where looseness reigns, where morality is maintained by penal measures and harsh laws, but not by voluntary accepted principles, where the feelings towards faith and country are obliterated by cosmopolitan convictions. What form cosmo, yeah, cosmopolitan convictions? What form of rule is to be given to these communities if that if not that despotism which I shall describe to you later? We shall create an intensified centralism of government in order to grip in our hands all the forces of the community. We shall regulate mechanically all the actions of the political life of our subjects by new laws. These laws will withdraw one by one all the indulgences and liberties which have been permitted by the goyim, and our kingdom will be distinguished by a despotism of such, of such magnificence proportions as to be at any moment and in every place in a position to wipe out any goyim who oppose us by deed or word. And we are certainly starting to see this. Um, freedom of speech is going away. We are losing. All right, if you speak out, you could be dead. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if I, if you guys hear that uh, I committed suicide or if you hear that um, I'm dead for any reason, drug overdose, whatever, because I don't do drugs. If you hear suicide, I'm definitely not suicidal. You will know that they have taken me out. But I'm not worried about that because I know that God is on my side and they can do nothing to me until... Uh, he calls me home, so let them try. We shall be told that such a despotism as I speak of is not consistent with the progress of these days, but I will prove to you that it is. In the times when the peoples looked upon kings on their thrones as on a pure manifestation of the will of God, they submitted without a murmur to the despotic power of kings. But from the day when we ins instituted into their minds the conception of their own rights, they begin to regard the occupants of thrones as mere ordinary mortals. The holy unction of the Lord's anointed has fallen from the heads of kings in the eyes of the people. And we also robbed them of their faith in God. The might of power was flung upon the streets into the place of public proprietorship and was seized by us. Moreover, see, so it is them, people, they are, they are the ones trying to destroy your relationship with God. And they have been, because remember who it is, it's the father of lies. Satan is running these people, is ruling this earth right now. The Bible tells us that. Satan has his, his fill in the earth right now. He is completely trying to deceive. His number one goal is not to kill your flesh, but to destroy and kill your soul. That is what Satan's job is. He is not focused on anything. I mean, he is obviously all this other stuff, you know, comes into play and it's part of it. But 
all this stuff and, and having you focus on materialistic things that that takes your soul away from God all these these jobs that are kind of were forced into if you're not careful that job will take you away from God because you're spending more time at your your job to make that money and to get that house and to get that car that means nothing your materialism is absolutely worthless and the Bible again warns us of that Jesus was not a rich man. His disciples were not rich men. Okay, in fact, he he asked uh, in the Bible that that very rich man in the Bible to sell all that he had and follow him. So, what does that tell us about our materialism? What are we focusing on more? Are we focusing on Jesus and our relationship? Because that's all that matters when we die. If you die tomorrow, where would you go? That is a very Serious question. Where would you go if you died tomorrow? Would you be comfortable with what comes next? Do you know what comes next the, the second you die? I hope that you, for any non-believer out there, and even lukewarm Christians, I hope that you can get it together, that you start to seek the Lord, the Lord's face and not just His hand in time of trouble. And if you're not a believer... I pray for your salvation, I really do, and I pray that God softens your hard heart and renews your mind. Moreover, the art of directing masses and individuals by means of cleverly manipulated theory and verbiage, by regulations of life in a common and all sorts of other quirks, in all which the cattle understand nothing, belongs likewise to the spe specialists of our administrative brain, reared on analysis observation, and delicacies of fine calculation in this species of skill we have no rivals, any more than we have either in the drawing up of plans of political actions and solidarity. In this respect, the Jesuits alone might have compared with us, but we have contrived to discredit them in the eyes of the unthinking mob as an overt organization, while we ourselves all the while have kept our secret organization in the shade. However, it is probably all the same to the world who is its sovereign lord, whether the head of catechism or our despot of the blood of Zion. But to us, the chosen people, it is very far from being a matter of indifference. And again, when you look at Zion, uh, take it as Zion. Okay. For a time, perhaps, we might be successfully dealt with by a coalition of the cattle of all the world. But from this danger we are secured by the discord existing among them, whose roots are so deeply seated that they can never know that they can never now be plucked up. We have set one against another the personal and national reckonings of the cattle, religious and race hatreds. We have fostered into a huge growth in the course of the past twenty centuries. This is the reason why there is not one state which would anywhere receive support if it were to raise its arms. For every one of them must bear in mind that any agreement against us would be unprofitable to itself. We are too strong. There is no evading our. There is no evading our power. And again, look, they're they're saying it right here. They're the ones who create these race wars through media. They create the the Republican Democratic war. They create all this hatred amongst us. We the people that we are supposed to. We are God's children, but 
and that's why it says in the last days, people are going to be lovers of themselves. There's going to be dissension, division, one house against another, mother versus, you know, um, I mean, son versus father and daughter versus mother. And there's going to be so much division. And that's why God said, I don't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword to the earth. And this is exactly what's happening. He is using, um, allowing Satan to completely destroy us because we're not praying. We're not seeking his face. We need to come back to our roots, to our father, Yahweh. We need to come back. The nations cannot come to even an inconsiderable private agreement without our secretly having a, without our secretly having a hand in it. Again, they've got their hand in everything as we can see. There's nothing they do not know about. Per may, uh, Perme regis regnant. It is through me that kings reign. And it was said by the prophets that we were chosen by God himself to rule over the whole earth. Now that's interesting right there. They say it is through me that kings reign. That's what perme regis regnant means. I don't know what language that is. It is through me that kings reign. And it was said by the prophets that we were chosen by God himself to rule over the whole earth. So they've definitely got that twisted there. You know, they're, they're trying to rule the earth by Satan. God has endowed us with genius that we may be equal to our task. And you know, that's what Satan said, remember in the garden. Satan tricked Eve and, and Adam. And he said that you can be just like God, knowing good and evil and knowing the truth. Satan, that's what he did to Adam and Eve. And that is what he has clearly did to these people. Trick them in believing. Don't ever believe that you are God. Don't ever believe any teaching that says God is within you and that you are God. That's what it means. That's not what it means at all. That's what Satan has deceived them with. That is deceiving you with if you think that you're God or have that kind of power. God has endowed us with genius that we may be equal to our task. We're genius in the, we are genius in the opposite camp. It would be still struggle against us. But even so, a newcomer is no match for the old established settler. The struggle would be merciless between us. Such a fight as the world has never yet seen. A and the genius on their side would have arrived too late. All the wheels of the machinery of all states go by the force of the engine, which is in our hands. And that engine of the machinery of states is gold. The science of political economy invented by our learned elders has for long past been giving royal prestige to capital. Capital, if it is to cooperate, untrammeled, must be free to establish a monopoly, a monopoly of industry and trade. This is already being put in execution by an unseen hand in all quarters of the world. This freedom will give political force to those engaged in industry, and that will help to oppress the people. Nowadays, it is more important to disarm the peoples than to lead them into war, more important to use for our advantage the passions which have burst into flames than to quench their fire, more important to catch up and interpret the ideas of others to suit ourselves than to eradicate them. The principal object of our di uh, directorate consists in this, to, to debilitate the public mind by criticism, to lead it away from serious reflections calculated to arouse resistance. 
to distract the forces of the mind towards a sham fight of empty eloquence. Think upon that. I'm going to read that again. The principal object of our directorate consists in this, to debilitate the public mind by criticism, to lead it away from serious reflections calculated to arouse resistance, and to distract the forces of the mind towards a sham fight of empty eloquence. That is amazing. In all ages, the peoples of the world, equally with individuals, have accepted words for deeds, for they are content with a show and rarely pause to note, in the public arena, whether promises are followed by performance. Therefore, we shall establish show, uh, we shall establish show institutions which will give eloquent proof of their benefit to progress. We shall assume to ourselves the liberal physiognomy of all parties, of all directions, and we shall give that physiognomy a voice in orators who will speak so much that they will exhaust the patience of their hearers and produce an abhorrence of oratory. In order to put public opinion into our hands, we must bring it into a state of bewilderment by giving expressions from all sides to so many contradictory opinions and for such lengths of time as will suffice to make the cattle lose their heads in the, in the labyrinth and come to see that the best thing is to have no opinion of any kind in matters political. Confusion, people. This is what they are so good at. This is why the media is so dangerous and they've, they've, they've harnessed this powerful tool. There is so many different opinions going around and so you end up, what happens is you don't have an opinion of your own anymore. You have the opinions of Hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of different media stations and outlets. And I mean, go down the Twitter feeds, go to the Instagram feeds. I mean, it is ridiculous. We have your opinion is crushed by participating in this. You have no opinion anymore. Your opinion becomes the opinion of someone else, an opinion that doesn't matter at all. So you stop and you don't even want to try to have an opinion because it's much harder to have your own creative opinion or creative thought. It's so hard to think now for anybody to think because they're confusing the hell out of you. Okay. Now, which it is not given to the public to understand because they are understood only by him who guides the public. This is the first secret. So that first secret, okay, is because they are understood only by him who guides the public. The second secret requisite for the success of our government is, comp is comprised in the following. To multiply to such an extent national failings, habits, passions, conditions of civil life, that it will be impossible for anyone to know where he is in the resulting chaos, so that the people in consequence will fail to understand one another. This measure will also serve us in another way, namely, to sow discord in all parties, to uh, dislocate all collective forces which are still unwilling to submit to us, and to discourage any kind of personal initiative which might in any degree hinder our affair. There is nothing more dangerous than personal initiative. If it has genius behind it, such initiative can do more than can be done by millions of people among whom we have sown discord. 
we must so direct the education of the cattle communities that whenever they come upon a matter requiring initiative, they may drop their hands in despairing impotence. The strain which results from freedom of action saps the forces when it meets with the freedom of another. From this collision arise grave moral shocks, disenchantments, failures. By all these means we shall so wear down the cattle that they will be compelled to offer an international power of a nature that by its position will enable us, without any violence, gradually to absorb all the state forces of the world and so form a super-government. And that super-government, my friends, is the one world order, the one world government that has been coming and is about to take full effect. In place of the rulers of today, we shall set up a bogey which will be called the super-government administration its hands will reach out in all directions like nippers and its org and its organization will be of such colossal dimensions that it cannot fail to subdue all the nations of the world okay so i'm going to stop right there and tomorrow i'm going to do uh continue this reading that was protocol five, and tomorrow we'll start with protocol six. I want everyone to truly think about what you've just read, and I pray that you take some notes and that you can share this with everyone you know. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Share it on your social media profiles if you have those, but share what you're hearing and really Take the time and listen to this. Listen to it multiple times if you have to. I know it's a lot, and uh, I do mess up on some words. I'm sorry about that, but this is raw, this is real, and this is how this evil government of Satan thinks of you and I. And this is their plan to destroy us. This is their plan to enslave humanity. Please. Take this seriously, because we we can stand against this. We will have no chance if we stay silent. We will have no chance if, if we just cower down, if we're afraid. And again, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to navigate these, these treacherous waters? With mighty God, Yahweh. With King Jesus, Elohim, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. That is how we're going to navigate these waters. And God, I promise you, if you pray, he will give us the power we need and the time we need to fight. He will give us the power. He will give us the power to protect our families. He will give us the, the power to discern what, what is going on. Okay, we don't, we don't need anybody or anything. We need God to win this thing. And obviously each other. But to to navigate through these treacherous waters, we need to seek God's face. We need to ask him for his power because he will give us his power. We saw it all through the Bible with Moses, with King David, with Solomon, with Samson, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Joshua and Caleb. He was with them all and he performed miracles and it's because of these men's faith. We need more strong men of faith. So to all the men out there that are listening to this podcast, 
build your relationship with God before you build anything. Because without a relationship with God, everything in your life will fail. Trust me when I say this. Everything in your life will fail if you don't have a relationship with God. It will be an empty life. So may God keep you. May God bless you. And stay safe out there. Have a good night.